Well, this is one time of the year that's such a special time when uh, we typically uh, incorporate uh, different presentations during the sermon. And we're going to do that uh, this morning as well. We have some things that were pre-recorded that our wonderful sound tech James Carter put together that will be incorporated into the sermon today. So if you have your Bible, uh, turn with me, please, to Matthew uh, chapter 28. Matthew 28 is uh, one of the clearest presentations of what happened on that first Resurrection Sunday. Uh, The resurrection uh, is included in in all of the Gospels. Uh, But we'll just read uh, Matthew 28, the first uh, eight verses. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, uh, turn with me there, and uh, we'll get started with the sermon today. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn... Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards, they shook for fear of him, and they became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the ladies, Do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. But he is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you. So... They went out quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy. And they ran to bring his disciples' word. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord God, thank you for this wonderful account of the first resurrection. We pray, Lord, your blessing over the sermon today. May it touch our hearts. May it change our lives Holy Spirit, come and do your work deep within us, we pray, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, I mentioned that the resurrection is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let me give you a quick composite of what happened thus far. Uh, We know that Jesus died on Friday. When he died, there was an earthquake. And the sky is darkened. You may have seen this depicted in one of the great movies that, that show the, the passion of the Christ and the life of Christ uh, made in Hollywood. But it does kind of capture the moment. It was a terrible time when Jesus died. It was dark. The earth quaked. It says that the veil of the temple in Jerusalem was torn in half when Jesus died. Now, that may not mean a lot to many of you, but what that what that is symbolic of is, see, in the temple... The people would gather in the larger area, and there was a great veil that separated the people from the priest. The priest went into the Holy of Holies. Only the priest could go there, and he would make intercession for the people. But when Jesus died, the veil was torn in half, exposing the Holy of Holies to all the people, symbolic of now we have a great high priest. We can go through him into the very presence of God. It also says in the Gospels that tombs actually were opened in Jerusalem when Jesus died. 
When Jesus was taken down from the cross, he was placed into a rich man's tomb. That was Joseph of Arimathea. That was to fulfill a prophecy that said he would be buried with the rich, crucified with the criminals, but buried with the rich. So Friday night came and Saturday came all day, Saturday, Saturday night. And on Sunday morning, as we just read early on Sunday morning, another gospel said it was still dark outside. The ladies, the followers of the Lord, came to anoint the body with oil. This was a Jewish custom that they would anoint the dead body with oil to, to just to preserve it a little bit longer. So when they arrived, the rock was rolled away. Another earthquake happened, and an angel appeared, and he gave one of the greatest announcements in the Word of God. He is not here. He is risen, just like he said. And the Roman soldiers were shaking in fear because they were put there to prevent anyone from stealing the body of Christ. The authorities didn't want any false rumors to start that he was alive. And here he was, not in the tomb, and the the soldiers were afraid. Later, they were actually bribed to tell everyone uh, that he was stolen away. When they knew in their heart that he wasn't stolen, he just arose from the grave. Matthew 28, verse 8, we just read it. It says that the ladies, when they heard this news, they went to tell the other disciples. They had fear and great joy. I think those are two uh, great emotions blended together. You ever sense that you're fearful, yet you're joyful? It's like you're expecting and you don't know what's going to happen, but you're excited. Well, that's how they were feeling. And they went and they told the disciples. Luke 24 tells us that when they heard what the lady said, they did not believe it at first. They didn't really get the picture yet. John tells us that when the ladies told the apostles that Peter and John ran from that place where they were. They ran to the tomb and they wanted to see for themselves what was going on. And they they kind of peeked in there and they saw the grave clothes lying on the bench, but the body wasn't there. That night we read that the disciples were all huddled together in fear of the Jews, not knowing really what was going on. And scripture tells us that Jesus then appeared over the next 40 day period of time to many people. That evening, he later, he appeared to the two disciples that were going to Emmaus to get away from Jerusalem. He appeared and showed himself to them. He appeared to the 11 apostles at one time. He had breakfast with them at one time. He appeared to Thomas, and he appeared to Peter, and he appeared to James. Paul tells us that Jesus actually appeared to over 500 people at one time. And so, with the resurrection, the story begins. It's an exciting story. Jesus died. He arose. He ascended on the 40th day. On the 50th day... He sent his Holy Spirit to empower the church, and they went out to proclaim the resurrected Christ. From that day until today, the same message is being proclaimed, because when Jesus left, he said, I promise to return a second time. So this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, I've entitled the sermon, I Know Him. And I want to begin the sermon uh, by showing you a video clip uh, of the uh, Reverend S.M. Lockridge, who was the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego from 1953 to 1993. I believe this, uh, this message that you're going to hear right now was recorded in the 1970s. It's from a sermon uh, he entitled, Amen. 
And it features a repeated question, do you know him? Do you know him as he describes Jesus? Let's take a listen. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Amen. Wasn't that great? Yes, that's my king too. I know Jesus. I know my king. And because I know him, 
I want to share three things today that you all can think about. Each, each one begins with the phrase, because I know him. And as I said earlier, each point will be accentuated uh, with a special presentation towards the end of each point. But the first point is this, because I know him, because I know him, I know who I am. All my life, I've been searching for identity. Yes, I'm Margaret and Pat's third son. Oh, I'm Pat and Joey's little brother. I'm Kathy's big brother. I I was the baseball player, the football player. I was the captain of my basketball team. I was the guitar player. I was the one outside of the box in my family. But when, when all along I was wondering, who am I really? I remember moments in my life where I would just contemplate, what is life all about? But when I came to the place, when I surrendered my will to the risen Savior, see, my friend Lenny had it right all along. I know you from New Life, you know what I'm going to say. But when I told Lenny all my woes, all my troubles, he said, Rick man, Rick man, you got to get right with Jesus. I said, Lenny, how do you do that? He told me how to do that. And, that, and that, that night, I remember, Pamela and I were together. We surrendered our will to the risen Savior. And when, I, when we surrendered our will to the resurrected Christ, we found ourselves. You see, Jesus knew me the whole time. When I found him, when I got to know him, I found me. Romans chapter 6 puts it this way. It says... Paul writes, when we identify with the crucified, crucified Christ, in other words, when we believe that story of Good Friday, when we identify with Christ who died for our sins, and we understand that he died for my sin, and we then die to ourselves, he says, if we identify with the crucified Christ, we will also identify with the resurrected Christ, who's alive and new and fresh and complete. Romans 6 tells us that, If we were baptized into his death, we shall also be united in the likeness of his resurrection. That's why, uh, not that it's mandatory, but it does make a good point. Water uh, Baptism by immersion is so descriptive of what happens. A person goes under the water, symbolic of their death in Christ, come out of the water as resurrected with resurrection power within. So my identity, your identity with the risen Christ unlocks the mystery of who we are. Let me share some scriptures with you. Second Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The key words are there, first of all, if anyone, but if anyone is in Christ, if you're in Christ. Well, how do you get in Christ? Well, you open up your heart and you invite him to come into your life and you begin a new life style, a new life with him included. John 3, 3, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, saying, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. I think Paul says it best when he says this to the church of Galatia. He says, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives within me. And the life that I live now in the flesh, uh, I live by faith in Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I'm very thankful today that by Jesus' resurrection, I have an identity. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a new creation. And you know what? The sky is the limit for what God will do with my life to him. Well, I want to introduce some very special people to you now. Uh, these are the New Life Kids from the Creative Kids Ministry. I want you to take a moment, really focus in on what our children are speaking to the church today. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am the child of the kid. I am. I'm a child of the king. I am a child of the king. That makes me royalty. Mighty like a warrior. Brave as can be. Everywhere I go. I know my God is with me. <laughs> I do not fear and I am not moved by this world. I am his. Do not wish on stars but worship my God who spoke the stars alive. Christ on the inside. Christ on the inside. He is my identity. He is my identity. Christ on the inside. He is my identity. My identity. He's my identity. He's my identity. He is my identity. He is my identity. I am full of love and pure in heart. And because I can stand firm on God's word, I will proudly say, For this is how much God loved the world. Loved. How much God loved the world. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his only son as a God loved the world. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only son as a gift. Like, love. One and only son as a gift. Whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life forever. Shall not perish, but have life forever. And ever and ever. And ever and ever. John 316. Forever. Happy Easter. God bless you. Isn't that great? Out of the mouths of babes, you know, the Lord speaks to us many times. I want to thank Stacy Amendola Johnson for putting that together with our children. Thank you all the parents that were involved and got your kids to, to recite those lines. Uh, thank the Lord for that. And thank the Lord for the uh, kids' ministry here at the church. Well, because I know him, I know who I am. And man, that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? The second point is this, because I, I know him, I know who I am no longer. You know, sometimes the, the enemy of our soul, or may I, may I say, and I don't mean to step on anybody's toes, but sometimes people will not let us escape our past. Sometimes the enemy won't let us escape in our own mind, but sometimes things are said or whatever. But I want to tell you that knowing Jesus, knowing the King of Kings, I, I no longer, I, I know who I am no longer. And I, I find in the Bible, there's story after story, biographies about 
great men and women of God that did tremendous things for God, but there's always a little bit of their story that's a little shady, kind of reminding us that, yeah, we all have a past. But see, knowing Christ, I know who I am no longer. Let me go through this list of some of the great characters in the Bible. Abraham is not remembered for the lies that he told. He's remembered for being justified by faith. He's remembered for stepping out in faith when he didn't know where he was going. The Lord said, just go follow me. And he was a man of faith. Moses is not remembered for his crimes in Egypt. He's remembered for being a determined leader over Israel, getting the law and the Ten Commandments and leading Israel to the promised land. David is not remembered for his adultery or his murder or his schemes. He's remembered, the Bible refers to David as a man after God's own heart. This is quite a character. He was a warrior. He was a songwriter. He was a king of Israel. He was a great sinner, but he was a great repenter. And we remember him as a wonderful man of God. Rahab is not remembered because she was a prostitute. She's remembered because she had faith in the God of Israel when she protected and hid the spies that were there to check out the promised land. Ruth is not remembered for being a non-believer's a non-believer married to a believer. She's remembered for one who became a follower of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Peter is not remembered for his quick temper or his uncanny ability to put his foot in his mouth, although we do think about it from time to time. He's remembered as the only one who walked on the water with Jesus. He's remembered as the one who had deep repentance over his denial of the Lord that night in the garden. He's the one who preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching the word of God. 3,000 people came to know him, and the church was birthed on that day. Peter was a great leader in the church. Paul is not remembered that he persecuted the church and caused havoc in the church before he knew Jesus. He's remembered for his dramatic Damascus Road conversion and how he gave his heart to Jesus and how for the rest of his life, he used his life to promote the gospel, establishing churches, building up communities and people in their faith. And we're still benefiting from Paul's writings uh, as he wrote most of the New Testament. How about you? Do you know who you are no longer? Or are you bound by your past? For me, I can say, I'm not the guy who stole things. I'm not the guy who cheated in school. I'm not the guy that got in trouble with the police. I'm not the guy that was disrespectful and dishonest and disheartened with life. I'm not the guy without a hope and without a future. You know, I I was thinking about the sermon last night, and this remembrance came to my mind. Where I grew up in Porchester, now it's called Rybrook, there's a body of water called the Keyhole. And when I was young, me and my brother, we'd go there, and our friends would go there. We'd go fishing. We'd catch turtles and snakes, and we'd have a grand old time. We'd build rafts over there. And uh, it was a wonderful place to grow up. Well... That was when I was about 12 years old, 13 maybe. Well, fast forward to now, I'm in my early 20s. And I'm going through a time in my life where I just can't seem to get it together. I I tried this, I tried that, I I tried studying, I tried going different places. I could not find peace in my heart. And I I remember that day, I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to the keyhole. 
I hadn't been to the keyhole in probably 10 or 12 years. I went back that day, and uh, it was still there, the same thing. I remember lying down on the ground at the keyhole, on my back, all by myself. I'm 22, 23 years old. I'm lying down. I put my, my fist in the ground, and I'm feeling the dirt. I'm thinking, oh, I just want to feel something. I want to, I want to get out of my, my, all my failures, all my disappointments. I want to change my life. And I'm, I'm holding the dirt. <laughs> after a, a few minutes, I got up and I felt more discouraged after I got up than when I went down there. See, there was no change in going back to the keyhole. I realized that when, when, uh, when Jesus comes into our life, when the resurrected Christ comes into our life, man, that's when things happen. That's when the burdens are lifted. That's when the mind is made clear. I can remember after Pamela and I accepted the Lord many years ago, one of the first things that we did was we got married and then we moved to North Carolina where I could go back to school. Well, we had a little cottage out there in the woods of North Carolina. And I remember one night in particular, I went outside. It was probably around 10 o'clock at night. And where we lived, there were cows mooing in the background. And there were a million crickets everywhere making noises. And I remember looking up at the stars. And on that particular night, there must have been a, more than a million stars that I could see. You know, down there, uh, it's not like in New York or Massachusetts where there's so much light around. You don't see the sky so clearly. But I could see the sky so clearly. I saw all the stars in heaven. And I, th- I thought, oh, my goodness. And I felt the Lord kind of just kind of give me a thought right there. He said, you know, he said, Rick, you know, the way that's so clear, that's what I'm doing to your life and your mind. And I began to rejoice and say, thank you, Lord. You saved me and you delivered me and you're changing my lifestyle and my outlook in life. And later on, as I began to study the Bible, I found scriptures like this. Isaiah 1.8 says, our sin, though it's like scarlet, will be as white as snow. Our sin, though it's red like crimson, will be as wool. Meaning those sins that we've committed, the shame, the guilt, the horror of it all, the Lord takes it all away. Hallelujah. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our trespasses from us. Someone had said, as far as the east is from the west, symbolic of Jesus dying on the cross, putting his hands on that cross. As far as east is from west, he's taken our sins, our trespasses away from us. Isaiah thirty-eight seventeen. it says this, Lord, you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. Man, when I was laying down at the keyhole, I was like, I was like at the pit of corruption right there. They said, Isaiah says, but you cast all my sins behind your back. Hallelujah. That's when we, we Pentecostals say, thank you, Jesus. You put all our sins that were in front behind your back. You don't see them anymore. Jesus said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. He freed me so that I'm not who I used to be. I know who I am no longer. I am born again, spirit-filled man of God. Another scripture in Romans says, sin now has no dominion over you. You know, before we knew Christ, 
Sin had dominion over us. It could be, well, in our terminology, big sins or little sins, doesn't matter. But whatever we were doing that wasn't right, it, it, it controlled us. It kind of, it kind of, we, we lived in that realm of rebellion against God. But now sin no longer has dominion over us. And, you know, God is so good and so graceful. He throws in another scripture from 1 John. He says, but if anyone does sin, because you know what's going to happen. But if you do sin as a Christian, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. See, because I know him, I know the resurrected Savior, I know who I am, and I know who I am no longer. I am set free. Praise the Lord. At this time, our dear sister Denora Bonifacio and Aaron Evans are going to come and share their song and their story. I wonder if I could get a hallelujah during this time, if I could get a little amen, because the scripture tells us that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete that work until the day of his return. Hallelujah. Let's give a listen. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Yo, the enemy is meddling heavily, don't let him kill. Love, peace be with you in that heavenly still. He gave the word, the sword, I do will. From a fool's will to I will never yield. Say the God of Israel ain't real, he is real. Got his love and resurrection, he does heal. Gave his only son a done deal, so deaded myself at the cross, I do nail. I'll raise a hallelujah. I'll raise a hallelujah. I'll raise a hallelujah. I'll raise a hallelujah. Everlasting life for my kids, that's the appeal. Holy seal, rock it like a hoodie and a Boston cap. When I pray, I just praise, cause it's a rap. He's got my side to side, my front to back, like a vibranium shield in the hands of cap. He's the heart of the spark, never jagged, never sharp, whether near or apart, my faith, my fate, whatever the plan is, I'll take that leap of faith and stick it like a superhero landing. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive.
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Denora, and thank you, Aaron, for that presentation. Can I get a hallelujah right there? Can I get an amen right there? Yes. The Lord has given us new life because he's alive today. This is the whole point. The resurrection. If Jesus wasn't alive, we'd have nothing to talk about. But he is alive by his spirit today, and he gives new life. So because he is alive, number one, I know who I am. And I'll just say this in case anyone's wondering, although you probably aren't wondering too far. I'm not perfect. (laughs) Ask my wife. She'll tell you flat. Nobody's perfect. But we're forgiven. And we're trying our best to live for God. I know who I am. I'm saved by grace. Absolutely. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In case you haven't noticed, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul says that in Romans chapter 1. Why should we be ashamed of the gospel like it's some bad thing? The gospel is the greatest news in the world. I'm not ashamed. I'm happy. I'm proud of the gospel. And because I know I know who I am, number two, I also know who I am not. And here's number three. Because I know him, I really, really know his heart. And I'm getting to know his heart more and more each day. It's a lifetime uh, progression of getting to know the Lord. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know, and you study and you read and you, you read the commentaries and so forth. You get to know God better. But because I know him, I feel like I know his heart. Reverend Lockridge said it earlier. He said he's the king of glory. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of ages. He's the king of heaven and, and the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He said, Jesus is the sovereign king. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of humanity. He's the all-sufficient savior. Do you get a feel for his heart by knowing who he is? Think with me. I'm going to share some biblical names or phrases that describe Jesus in the Bible. It says in various places that Jesus is the light of the world. You have to wonder, why is he the light of the world? Why do we need a light in the world? Well, we need a light because we're living in spiritual darkness, but he's the light of the world. Can you feel his heart in that one phrase? He's the bread of life. He's the bread of life. We all love to eat, but he gives us spiritual food to sustain us, not only in this lifetime, but for all of eternity. He's the author of salvation. He's the chief cornerstone. Everything is built upon the rock of Christ. He's the great high priest who understands our weaknesses. And through him, it says, come boldly before the throne of grace. He's the horn of salvation. He's the lamb of God. He's the lion from the tribe of Judah. He's a man of sorrows, the scripture says. It also says he's a soon coming king. He's a mighty God. He's a son of righteousness. He's the word of God incarnate. He's the savior of the world. What is God's heart? What is the heart of God? I, you know, in our Bible study on Wednesday night, we were looking at Romans chapter five and we're talking about how, how the Lord, you know, Paul said, maybe someone would give their life for a righteous person, but But it's not very likely. But God gave his only son to save the world, even those that would not believe in him. God gave his son for whosoever would believe in him. Why did he do that? Why would God do that? Well, because in the very beginning, when when God created Adam and God created humanity, he created humanity for 
relationship. He wants a relationship with us. That's the heart of God. He desires that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. The word says he desires that everyone would come to a place of repentance and turning to him for salvation. That's that's the heart of God. And so the only way to, to bridge the gap between a fallen humanity and a holy God was by sending the perfect Lamb of God. Without sin, without blemish. That's why we, we proclaim Christ as our Savior. He was without sin. And he gave his life on the cross to bridge the gap and die in our place. And by his death and by his blood, when we believe that, we are cleansed from our sin. And why did God raise him from the dead? Well, it's one thing to die, but then to raise him from the dead because his death and his resurrection is one of a kind. I always say that, well, if all we had to do was have someone die for us, well, maybe Peter would have died for us. Maybe John or one of the apostles. I don't know. But no, Jesus died because he was the perfect lamb of God. And God the Father raised him from the grave on the third day to give him eternal life back in heaven again from whence he came. And when we die with Christ, we live with resurrection power within us. Hallelujah. So knowing him, I get to know his heart. I get to know God's mind. Let me share some scriptures with you. Exodus 14 says, now some of you don't know this. Exodus 14, 14. This is my daughter Betsy's favorite scripture. It says, the Lord will fight for you. Did you know that? God will fight for you as you yield to him. He's on your side. He's not against you. He's for you. That scripture continues. It says, just rest in him. Let him do the fighting. Sometimes we get ahead of the Lord. But the Lord will fight for you. Zechariah 3 says that the Lord will rejoice over you with singing. Literally. We have a God that has feelings and emotions. He's very alive. But in the spiritual realm, he's singing over us. That's why we love to worship the Lord so much. We join the Lord in our praises. We sing. We sing to him. He's singing over us. It's a glorious moment. Isaiah 47, it says a promise. He will redeem you. He'll redeem you. And yes, redemption only comes through Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 tells us that the Lord defeated Satan for you. He defeated principalities and powers of darkness. He exposed them for their hypocrisy when he died and rose from the grave. Acts 1.11, the angels promised that this Jesus who you see ascend is coming back in the same manner. I share this frequently growing up. I always heard this phrase in the church that we attended. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And for years and years and years, it never dawned on me. I got the first part and the second part. Christ died and Christ arose. But that part about him coming again, it eluded me for my whole life until I was in my early 20s. And one day it hit me. I was sitting there in the church and I was thinking, what does that mean he's going to come again? Well, he's going to come again. And then knowing him, I understand that he's coming back for a pure church, a spotless church. And the only way we could get pure and spotless is by applying the blood of Jesus over us. So when I know him, I know his heart. And knowing his heart, I tremble at his name. I, the scripture says, 
Our God is a consuming fire. It's an awesome thing to come into the presence of a holy God. I rejoice in his name. I bow before his name. You know, the scripture says that because Jesus emptied himself from heaven, came to live on earth, and gave himself as a living sacrifice, because he did that, it says that therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess, whether in heaven, on earth, or under the earth, every knee will bow to Jesus Christ, to the glory of God the Father. At this time, I want to introduce our dear sister, Milena Cook, and our associate pastor, Bill Spurdioni, as they offer to the Lord a wave offering, a banner offering of praise to Jesus.
raise a banner before the Lord, give a wave offering, he is worthy to receive it. Amen. Well, I know him, and because I know him, I know who I am. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Because I know him, I know who I am no longer. I'm not who I used to be, and I'm becoming who he wants me to be. And because I know him, I know his heart. His heart is, I want to have relationship with, peop- with the people that I created. Well, before we sign off today, I want to close with this thought. And I want to give you a little bit of theological input here. About 25 years after the resurrection of Christ, at the church of Corinth, Paul wrote two letters there. But he found out that they were experiencing some doctrinal issues within the church. And it had to do with the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of the deceased. And so they preached Christ. We find this in 1 Corinthians 15. They did preach Christ and Christ crucified, died and resurrected. But they didn't preach that the dead in Christ would one day arise to be with the Lord. You ever hear the talk at many times at a funeral or when you talk about someone who has passed away, someone will say, I, I can't wait to see them again. Well, that's a very good statement, actually, because we will see our loved ones again, provided that they were living in faith. This is the blessing of eternal life in heaven. So anyway, so the people in Corinth were saying, uh, we, we preach Christ resurrected, but they weren't preaching the resurrection of the dead. So Paul says a few things to them. He says, if, if you're preaching that Christ is resurrected, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? He says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen... Our preaching is empty, your faith is empty, and we're false witnesses for the Lord. If Christ was not raised, in other words, if the dead are not raised, he's assuming Christ is not raised, your faith is futile, and we're stuck in our sins. There's no redemption. And then he says something very interesting. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ We're the most pitiable of all men. And, you know, many Christians kind of fixate on the here and now. I I confess, sometimes I do as well. And I want the blessing now. I want all that God has for me now. It's true. I do want that. But I realize that this is not all there is. If this is all we have, Paul says, if this is all we have, if our hope in Christ is right here on earth, if that's all we have, we are to be pitied. And then he goes on to say, the next verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, he says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep, or those who have died, literally those who have died in the faith. So we can say, you know, because Christ arose... One day, when we're, when we're dead and gone, our spirit is with the Lord, our body's in the grave. But one day, when Jesus comes with that trumpet sound, the dead in Christ, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, will be raised from the dead and be caught together with their spirit to be with the Lord forever. And if we're here, when Jesus comes, we call it the rapture, we'll be caught up with him, body, soul, and spirit, right then and there. Boom, we're out of here. Personally, I'm praying for that one, but that's out of our control. So there's a whole lot to this. So do you know him? 
Do you believe in him? Have you accepted him? Are you living for him? You see, if you know him, you're going to know who you are. If you know him, you're going to know who you're not. If you know him, you're going to know his heart. And his heart is for relationship with you. Not only now, this is just a preliminary for an eternal life with him. Do you know where you're going? As one famous person said, if you were to die tonight, would you know where you're going to go, heaven or hell? And why would you go to heaven if you think you would go to heaven? Well, the only right answer is because I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I have a living hope. The resurrected Lord is living within me. And when I die, he'll take me to heaven, not because I'm so good, but because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. So I'm going to close out the service now with a prayer of invitation. I want to ask you if you're home or wherever you might be, uh, just for a minute, just try to get alone with God right now and, and get, get focused on, on the prayer. We're going to ask Jesus to come into our lives. We're going to ask Jesus to strengthen us and to encourage us. We're going to ask the Lord to empower us with his spirit that we could be a good witness for him in these very troubled days that we're living in. So let's pray together. Oh, gracious God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Resurrection Sunday. But Lord, really, we celebrate the resurrection every day. But all over the world today, people are remembering the resurrection. All over the world, people are not in churches. They're at home. They're somewhere watching live streams of services. Or maybe not. Maybe they're just gathering among themselves, remembering. Lord, it's almost like you've taken us back in time to the way it was in the first place. Small groups of people. But we thank you, Lord, that Christ is alive today. And Lord, we have come to a place in our lives where we understand we're, we're born with a mark of sin against us. And the only way to remove that mark of sin is by accepting the blood sacrifice of Christ. We call it Good Friday. So Lord, right now we humble our hearts and we invite you to come into our lives. We, we accept you. We believe in you. We believe in all that we just said. We ask you, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And cause me to be born again into the kingdom of God. Lord, I want to pray for the church. Those that have already done that. Those that are walking with you. Maybe some are struggling in these days. Maybe there's some that are out of work. Maybe some are sick. Maybe some families are having some discord. We just pray, Lord, for the peace of God to flood our soul right now. Give us the direction and the guidance that we need. And Lord, we pray also for the, the body of Christ at large, that this would be our finest hour. As many of us are involved with feeding the poor and counseling those that are afflicted, visiting the sick. Lord, bless our efforts to be your hands extended to a needy community and a needy nation and a needy world right now. So Lord, thank you for making all things possible. We give you all thanks and praise. We pray your blessing upon our homes, our families, our loved ones. We pray, Lord, your blessing upon your church. We give you thanks and praise for these things. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. You know, when Jesus arose that day, that evening when he appeared to the apostles, 
The first thing he they were in fear. The first thing he said to them was, peace be with you. I'll leave you with that thought today. May God's peace be with you as you live for the resurrected Christ. Well, Lord willing, we'll see you tonight at 6 p.m. Have a wonderful resurrection day. God bless you.